count. Yo, welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie Taylor. Now, just quickly before we rip into this episode, if you dig this podcast, please leave a five-star review in your app or wherever you listen to this podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe and click the notification bells because there's heaps coming up and you really don't want to miss a thing. Leave a one-off tip if you dig. All links in the show notes or at thegiglifepodcast.com. My guest today is Nikki Bomber. Nikki is a multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, producer, audio engineer, band leader, and he's been a blazing creative spark in the Australian music scene for decades. Drummer in the John Butler Trio on the classic album Sunrise Over Sea, April Uprising and Flesh and Blood, the driving force behind the Melbourne Scar Orchestra, Bomber and Bustamento. He wears many hats and he has a new album out called Food and Shelter, which for me personally helped me get through a bit of a dark cloud at the end of 2021. So it was really great to sit down and and chat with him. This is episode 130 and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mr. Nicky Bomber. I think we're rolling. I got Nikki Bomber with me tonight. Hey, go, man, Nikki Bomber. I'm good, brother. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, you're you're um you're currently living in the hills in Victoria somewhere. Yep, and um, just at the at the foot of all where all the snow mountains are, the the Alpine region of Victoria. Okay, how long have you been there? Uh, about since 2010. Okay. Um, yeah, I was, but but I, for the first couple of years, I was on the road with, with John Butler, so I I um, was hardly home. So okay. Really, over you know, the last two years, where I've spent more than ten days at a, t- a stretch, and oh well, since COVID hit, basically. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, which right. has been kind of fantastic in many ways because I've got got to do stuff that I that I've been meaning to do at home for so long. Yeah, so. and you got to do an album and a book and all sorts. Yeah, exactly. Of stuff, yeah, so we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that stuff yeah. um, a little bit later. So, um, you're just t- talking to me before we hit record about um. I said, you know, what are you up to? And it's that you're juggling gigs and cancellations and bookings and, you know, just as things were starting to kind of come good again, it's it's all that that sort of juggling. And, and you said, you know, you adapt to it, you know, there's always something else to do. Um, and it just made me think about um, there's probably people in situations that don't have something else. <laughs> You know, yeah. I, I mean, it's a mindset, mm. and uh, and I think I've been lucky that uh, pretty early on in the piece, um, that I understood that change is the only constant, and so in anything, in relationships, in um, you know plans and work and um, and in journeys and adventures. Mm. So I've kind of learned to kind of just dodge and weave 
kind of like and 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 kind of make it work you know just find a new path mm. otherwise it's very easy just to 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 fester or just to kind of stay in this kind of limbo of, of um you know mild depression really you know yeah. and, and so, so creativity is big for me you know and i usually step into some kind of other creative mm. world so you speaking from experience there in the whole sort of you know mild depression type thing yeah absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like like um um you know, there's there's a song I got called one of my first albums called Jar Jar in the Moment, mm. or, and just my tattoo was Jar in every moment, mm. um, and that really came from just real realizing there was a bit of a grey cloud kind of and and the, the victim mentality that mm. that uh, I recognised about myself. Mm. Um, and and that stuff kind of is a vicious circle type of things that that it spirals and the more you kind of feed it like you know feeding feeding the barking dog you know the more you feed it the more it's 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 you know yeah. the bark's going to get louder you know yeah. so at some point you just have to find out what it is that is driving that is informing all that um, and when and and it's you know it took it took a lot of writing. Like a lot of you know, yeah, kind of. I have like have, journal type stuff. Yeah, yep. lots yep. like you know books, books yep. worth, you know, and just and sometimes saying the same thing over and over, and at some yep. point you kind of you see a pattern developing, and mm. it's good to read over what you've written too. That's just very important. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I think you know studying all the the great you know the gurus and and getting into a bit of you know um, Eastern philosophies and everything, and that. Simplicity, um, and you know, there's there's life, uh, and the modern life is is quite complicated. It's quite this inundated with with a with a um, you know massive amounts of, of communication and, and information mm. on a daily basis, and and there's a point where you kind of have to step back a little bit and observe life as opposed to um, kind of getting stuck in it and. and and that's one of the main things, you know. And then, then you can see the change. You go, oh, well, that's that. Things have happened before, and I've got over them, and it's okay. Um, sometimes looking this way is beneficial. It makes me, you know. There's there's the classic story of good luck, bad luck. They say, you know, the the, the father whose um, son was playing soccer, and um, he was going to go join join the team, you know, and and he and he. Um, he broke his leg um, and he couldn't play. But um, a week before they went to go, conscription, conscription came in. And uh, and so they, they got all the able-bodied men to go to war. And because he broke his leg, he didn't have to go to war. <laughs> so, you know, it's, so the, that, that basic philosophy happens gotcha. on an everyday basis, you know. So, so um, it's, you know, it's, um, it's just about perception, really, you know. Yeah. Did... Was it is that part of the reason why you <clears throat> why you moved out to the to the hills as well to get a little bit of simplicity um, and well, uh, so, no, so, well, so, no, um, yeah sorry go yeah, oh, I was yeah well, say, um, uh, yep go for it I was going to say so were you in in the Melbourne like in yeah. Mel, Melbourne city and yeah, and yeah. I mean I was, I was born, born, born overseas but, but, but you know grew up in in uh, Newport which was um, you know, in Melbourne, mm. uh, but it was you know great fun childhood, playing music all the time, and mm. you know soccer, and you know and friends and everything. And um, but then when I was eight years old, 
um, has got this kind of a family that kind of adopted me, you know, in, in many ways, because he was the guitarist of the band that I was in when mm. I was six years old. I, I, I love their culture. It was the Austrian, Austrian culture, and I'm Maltese. Mm. And I, I used to go holidaying with them all the time, and they used to go to the hills here where I live. Mm. Um, and I remember being eight years old and just thinking, fresh water, why I can swim without salt water and no fear of sharks. <laughs> I can actually drink the water. Yeah. Um, there's trees everywhere, and it smells fresh. It's like, wow. And, and at that age, I remember coming saying to mum, I just want to go there. I want to go back there. It was, you know. Mm. Um, so my holidays were here most of the time. So my folks would go to the beach and everything, and I would come with this other family yeah. um, up here. And then when I got my car um, and had my children, you know, we just kept coming coming up here and then made friends with, with some people around here. And, and um, I, at some point I... Um, he, the guy, one of my best friends who built this amazing house that I'm in now, um, it was his first house he ever built. Uh, I ever said, if you ever sell it, just let me know, you yeah. know, because that would be a bit of a dream, you know. And, and he, he did offer to me and I did buy it. Um, so moving to the country for sure, 100%, a whole new level of pers- perspective or perception of life. Yeah. Um, when you're that nestled in nature and you wake up every morning, like at the moment, you know, I swim twice a day. You know, it's important for me to to get um, nature's goodness and you know into me. You know, whether it's just you know walks or stretching or, or just just being. You know, it. it um, I find I'm more active <clears throat> and uh, kind of more disciplined, kind of a bit more alive. I, I have tra- a little bit of trouble going to the city. I mean, my mum is still is still there, yeah, and. Um, and my gigs are there a lot of the time. I have to, you know, fly out of Melbourne or something. Mm. And um, I, I, I struggle a bit, to be honest, you know, with with, uh, with, the, with this thing. But, but, again, I just have to kind of go, okay, well, you know, it's only temporary and, you know, just um, get involved in you know, something else, whatever, you know. Like it's just it's uh, you, you have to be aware. And I think that's the big thing with me, be aware of the of the chatter that happens, you know, the subconscious chatter, yep. you know, in, in anything you do really, you know, and, and just aware that, that, you know, you know, yeah, you might be telling yourself that you're not enjoying it and you might be feeling, but, you know, you know, make an observation of that and, and switch it. Yeah. Cause I'm from a, I'm from a small town in New Zealand. So. Okay. Whereabouts? Uh, a town's called Macedon and that's in the Wairapa, which is, it's about. North? A, yeah, no. uh, yeah. It's the bottom of the North Island. Yeah. Okay, yeah, up, cool. Up, I'm, from, I'm, up from Wellington. I love, I love, I love Taranaki. Oh, Taranaki's awesome. Yep. Yeah, that's one of my – and I used to have a, 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 a girlfriend that lived in, in Wellington. Yeah, so cool. I, I spent a bit of time there. It was, it was lovely. So my – um yeah, my little town, like when you started talking about the rivers – it was like that for us when it wasn't too cold. It was bloody cold there, but <laughs> oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we could swim. We could swim, but you know there was the rivers. Um, once we started driving, we were going on bush. You know, we we're driving out to bush tracks and yeah. birds and fishing and totally. such a simple life. And then moving here to Sydney, um, and I was just talking to someone about this yesterday. Just the the culture shock and the you know, and then you kind totally. of uh, you kind of you, you would. I've adapted, I adapt to it, but a few years ago, my mum and dad moved up to Stroud, which is up towards Gloucester. And it's very, very much like our old town. So when I go, when I go and visit them, when I'm able to, it's kind of like 
Well, because what I used to do was go back to New Zealand a lot and back to my hometown and, and sort of yeah. get, get, you know, rerouted, regrounded. Yeah, yeah, totally. But now I just need to go up there, you know. Okay. It's yeah, small. They've no. got rivers and the hills. It just it just looks and feels yeah. like, yeah. you know. it's, it's Like when you when you were growing up, yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I, so it's I, kind I, of um, your thing in the reverse, you know. Totally. I mean, I'm trying to work, really work out a way of minimising performances at the moment mm. and just re- and, and working out a way of, of, of making a living mm. by spending more time here. Yep. Um, and that's um, and a lot of those changes are about, you know, what you actually need on a, on a weekly basis to survive. You know, so you work out, your, you know, and, and again, living simply. Yep. Um, and getting the balance right, the balance of, you know, nature time, creative time, good food, making sure you sleep well, um, you know, conversations, you know, um, mm. uh, keeping the mind active, you know, definitely, you know. And like on a daily basis, you know, physical stuff on a daily basis, we just got a bike ride, a bike path um, put from my, ha- my house and I'm in between two towns mm. And it goes from one town to another town. So, you know, and it goes all through all these rivers and everything. So my access to the river now is, is only half the time and getting out on the bike. So I, I feel that's when it makes me feel vital. Yeah. And, and I, I don't feel, I definitely don't feel that vital when I'm in, when I'm in town, you know. Yeah. Like it, it's, yeah. It's cool. And just looking at all your gear in the background there, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, you've got these nice compressors and, Preempt stuff your desk, and I can see some percussion and the, yeah, you know yeah. SPX there and yeah yeah well but, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting into that as far as because yeah. I'm trying to work out a solo live show yeah so right, I don't, right don't have to take that many people on the road which means that yeah. I can do more performances gotcha but what's what it's <laughs> when you're talking about learning how to live a little bit simply you got to make sure you got all the gear you need eh? <laughs> <laughs> Before yeah. you make that well, decision, oh, I just need that well, one I mean, more, that one yeah, more well, mic well, free. It's, or <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's funny that you say that. Yeah. A bit, but but I, I think the only thing that I really invest in is my music. Yeah. And so, I, I, and I, and I have, I do have to watch that. That that's a it's a very real thing where it's like, go sure. oh, once I get the Neve console, yeah. once I get that compressor, I'll be able, you know, and <laughs> and uh, what I learned on the last album is that you can do. Stuff on GarageBand and it can sound fantastic. Yeah, man. You know, for so, sure. You know, so I've got the best of both worlds here. If I wanted to record a fully fledged band like the orchestra, I can in here. Oh, it's cool. an old analog, you know, type studio with with eight tracks and everything. Mm. Um, but there's also straight up, um, you know, GarageBand and you know Ableton and, and all that type of things. So I, I'm. I'm learning that world at the moment. I'm just trying to work out, you know, live loops and stuff, and yeah. and, uh, and it's fun. Um, yeah. See, this I must prefer working with people though, like having four yeah. people on stage. This is where it can get expensive because then you start getting into buying the yeah. Stephen Slate well, stuff uh, and get the subscription, and oh, yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah, this yeah, is the yeah, next yeah. tier up, and it's a, yeah, yeah. another ten bucks a month. Yeah, oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, oh, I should know. be. Right. Yeah, subscri- <laughs> I actually don't. I don't do any subscriptions. I, oh, don't I, you? Okay. Well, I, well, you know. Uh, like when I had to get Pro Tools, for example, yep. I had a, a, a system that's been working really well yep. for 10 years, haven't had to touch it, doesn't touch the internet, and I just wanted to have another computer in town that I've wanted to do some other work or with my mastering engineer, mm. and I wasn't able to. I had to subscribe and everything, so I just okay. spent 300 bucks 
and bought a Mac Mini and just used the same program and just stay in that world. Yep. And so that that was a real you know frugal way of of kind of making that happen. That's cool. You know? And because it it is really easy for the updates and that type of thing. But I, I've I've done it once or twice and it was such a headache that I, I just it's better for me not to. Yeah. yeah. I I recently upgraded my um my MacBook. I had a um 2015 MacBook Pro, and I upgraded to the the new M1 Apple M1. Oh, you make a new computer? Yeah, new laptop. Oh, that's yeah, that's cool. That's no, no, but like... see the problem. What the little the the thing that I didn't know at the time is that there's a, there was an issue trying to get the waves plugins and universal plugin the UAD stuff wow. to work with this new M1 chip. So I had to, I have to run Logic on this thing called Rosetta, which is a different sort of program. Yeah. Um, and then it's asking me, you know, especially the wave stuff. I've got to get this next tier of subscription to get the update to run the M1. It's like, oh, no way. If I'd known, I wouldn't have. But I, I've got it I've yeah. got it I've got it sorted now where I've got, got sorted, I've, yeah. I've, I've I mean, got the plugins that I need and I'm if you, yeah. If you don't mind putting that that time in that that's that's true. Like yeah. um and new technologies, you know, it's 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 the technology nowadays, I mean, you know, in a mobile phone, you've got, oh. you know, a, what a songwriting tool, you know, you, you've got a recorder, <laughs> you've got lyrics, you've got, yeah. you can actually record on there eight track if you want to. You yeah. can, um, you can um, edit, you can edit, you can cut and paste and splice and, oh, you can a, totally do all that. You yeah. know, it's, it's, so, so, mm. so it, it's, um, there is benefits, 100% of that, but, it, but it's also from a songwriter's perspective, what's important is constant creation. Mm. And and quick kind of getting things stuff done kind of fairly quickly. If you find, you know, I, I did that. I went into that world of getting bogged down in the, in the te- technicality of it, and mm. then I had to kind of and wondering why I was kind of getting a bit frustrated, and realize what I need to do is to be disciplined. And as a songwriter, you need to be disciplined as far as like creative time, just in front of a, 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 a voice memo, playing the guitar, or just creating something, just getting seeds seeds of ideas. Yep. And then, okay, cool. It's kind of once you've done that, I kind of, kind of go, okay, you've done the work. Now, if you want to go and play, uh, go and play. But, but, but it's important that 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 happens first for me because I get I get frustrated. That's cool. That answers a question I was going to ask you a little bit later about how much time you spend on, um, you know, that technology or just uh, just yeah. creating sounds. Yeah, especially I mean, with, especially with sort of modern technology because you can do so much with a plug-in. Totally. And, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. Totally. Well, I, I yeah, like with a new album, for example, mm. half of it was done old school way, mm. um, and and the other half was done totally on GarageBand. Mm. And so, it's not so much uh, I'll tweak things. For me, uh, you know, I, I trust my ears, and I'm going to close my eyes. And I'm going, am I happy with that? You know, okay, here's at that's at that's um, answer one. Let's mm. try. I like to have, you know, there's more than one right answer. I like to have a couple of different options. So let's explore something and see if we can get anything better than that. And if it's not, good, I'm back to that, you know, or yeah, sometimes, cool. okay, oh, that's interesting. Oh, then try to, and then it might be just a combination of like only in the verse I might use that sound or something, you know. So, yeah. but I try to do that quite quickly. I try not to. That's good. Um, it's really easy to get bogged down. Yeah. And, you know, you open up the plugin list and it's like, yeah. ah, <laughs> like okay, I'm yeah. just going to use the, the uh, Technotronics legacy, um, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and yeah. I try to, to kind of keep it that simple. And there are ones, go-to ones, like you know, like, like yeah. you said yourself, you know, yeah. that, that 
Um, so I try to, because, because, yeah, I, I have, I have disappeared down that rabbit hole many times. Yeah, but now I know where to kind of go. Up, well, okay. Because what what I've guilty of doing sometimes is like <laughs> you you just talked about the drop down list of of presets and a plugin or whatever. So I'll like find the preset and go, that sounds cool. Now how did they come up with that? And then I just take myself into <laughs> working uh, how they come okay. out. And next thing you know, the the seed of idea of musical ideas gone. You know, but then I, but then I, I, I don't get too down about that. I'm like, okay, well, I've just, I've just scratched another itch here, and I've now I know, now I know how to pull that sound. You know, but that's a producer cap. That's the producer, the producer as opposed to the songwriter, and 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 that's a that's a big dilemma too for people that do their own music. Yeah, you know, you 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 kind of have to be your own teacher. You kind of have to look yourself and go. That's enough. Slap. Move on. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm kind of good at doing that, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. 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 That's cool. All right, man, let's um, let's roll right back to early days now. You're, um, you're Maltese. You were born in Malta, but you, you came out here when you were very, very young. Yeah, two years old, yeah. Yep. Um, so at two years old, you, do you have any, any rec- recollection of, of Malta at all as a two-year-old? And no, yep. but my um, uh, I was very lucky that the Maltese community, especially in in, uh, in Newport um, or in, in uh, a whole posse of people came. So oh, right, okay. So every Sunday was Maltese Community Day. We were from six years old. Um, we were like the family. We were the Partridge family or the, or the Jackson Five of the Maltese community. So gotcha. every time a performer came over, we would be the band. We recorded a number one hit. We recorded a song in Australia that became a number one hit in Malta when I was 14. Hmm. So it was the Maltese community was very active, right? And and um, I understand Maltese uh, very well. Yep. Um, find it hard to speak it a little bit, but when I'm at home with mum, we speak. she speaks to me in Maltese, you know, So, uh, and I encourage her to do that. Hmm. Um and it's to the point now that my son, who was born in Australia, there was so much of the Maltese influence that he's now living in Malta and he's opened up a restaurant there. Oh wow! Right, so it's gone kind of yeah. fully back. Yeah. And he, he's just come out. He just came out here for a couple of weeks, and he's got he's got the the family name tattooed on his back. He's got the Maltese flag on his back. Yeah. Um, so it it was kind of an indication that the 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 spirit of of uh, and the culture was very much alive even when we were australia yeah, you know because cuz cuz it is that connection you know you don't you you need that sense of belonging to something you know it doesn't matter whether it's you know um and so there was there was always a, a lot of that mm. that that was a big thing and that really informed the music as well because mm. it, it it provided a landscape for us to be playing you know, for, for the Maltese weddings and dances and engagements and balls and everything, you know, it was, it was pretty, they liked to party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So you're, um, so wouldn't your mum and dad, oh, sorry, so um, do you have siblings? I have uh, one brother, one Michael, brother. who I play with, and um, and four sisters. Okay. And Six. did you all, you all came together? Um, four came. I was the last one okay. born in Malta, and then yep. two were born in Australia. Okay, right. So in in your um, your direct family, is it is it musical? Mum, mum and dad musical. Um, look, that mum was a m- my grandfather on my mother's side. Yep, 
was, was Malta's most famous magician. Oh, wow. And she used to be his assistant. Oh, cool. So she was used to the stage. Did she get cut, fa- cut in half? That, that yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> classic all, stuff. All Mind all games. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. Um, my father was loved music um, and used to uh, perform in plays in Gilbert and Sullivan and that type of thing. And so when he, when he was in college. Uh, but he always loved playing the guitar and his, um, he passed away actually in, in, in 2020. And... Um, uh, I've just found some tapes of him when he was about to come to Australia and he was singing some songs and it was mm. a beautiful spirit. Mm. Um, he played the harmonica a little bit. And when we used to perform, he was kind of our manager. Yep. You know, he used to drive us around. You know, he built he built the, the, the van that we put all the stuff in, which looked like a horse float. Um, and uh, he would sing Maltese songs too at the Maltese events. There would be always a half an hour set of him doing these songs. And I recorded those songs with him before he passed too, which was, which was great. It was that's good, awesome. Good. Yeah, that's all on Spotify too. Oh, wow. Um, okay. um, so um, it, they weren't necessarily music, musicians and didn't do it professionally, but there was enough of an appreciation and love of music that um, – you know, we were we were exposed to it, and and my brother, being the older brother, you know, he learned piano and I learned the drums. Um, the sisters, the two sisters, sang. Sometimes we did an ABBA show. You know, we used to have costume changes and everything. So, and we were made, and and we cut our teeth on on quite interesting tunes. Like so, when you would do when you did a, a, a ball, you would have to do dinner music. You played every twenty minutes. You were playing. He did it dinner music while they're eating. Or first of all, entrance music. You know, it's kind of like this bit. And then it was dinner music, and then there was in between the first course and sixth course, they might want a little dance. So it was like you'd have to do some cha chas and rumbas and sambas, you know, and, and begins and everything. And then they had the meals. And then after the meal, there was the dance set, you know, and there was the the, the rock set, you know, um, or just you know stuff that they liked. Then there was if it was a a a barn dance vibe, they would do. We, everyone would be in a circle and you'd swap partners. It was speed dating in its in its raw form. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just move on, move on, move on, and yeah. you get to meet people. And that was the that was the the um, the barn dance they called that. And you'd had foxtrots and everything. And then dessert would come, and you'd play you know a couple more tunes, and then laid back when people would kind of you know go and see. So you'd be playing all these different tunes and modern tunes and Elvis Presley and whatever it was, you know. Um, Hence the ABBA show. That was part of the show when that was big. Um, so it was great from a drumming perspective to kind of be exposed to all that stuff and also as a drummer observing what works and what doesn't work. So when I finally went to the front of the stage, I would kind of have an idea of like this is what this is this is the state of play. You know? Did you have someone like as as the drummer and you know? The, the cha-chas and the foxtrots and all all that all those different beats and stuff that you're having to play. Did you have somebody there telling you how to play them, or was it just like, um, I'm listening, I kind of hear it, I think it might go like this, or were you sort of would you then or would you then I played by ear by ear, yep, and I played my technique was all wrong. Mm-hmm. I was actually holding the drumstick instead of like playing traditional grip, where you hold it like this, yep. I was playing like this, 
Oh, right. Okay. Right. And then my so first people, lesson. people that, that audio podcast. Yeah, there's, normally it should be it should be like that. Yeah, so right. the par, that's, that's, palm up, you're playing traditional. Yeah. I was playing traditional but palm down. Palm down, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? And so my first lesson when I was 14 right. or 13 was like, you need to do that. Right. What? Oh, what? So really? where did you get that from? Did you just. Did you maybe you maybe you saw it and subconsciously nah, thought that look, it went I, the I other way or I mean all I can say is that there is an argument for DNA because I had no idea. I remember mm-hmm. at six years old, I was playing a groove. I don't remember playing those grooves. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember remember I, I used to play the only thing that that when I, when we're the school that I went to, the the, the it was a it was a, a, a Catholic primary school, every Monday morning they used to have a assembly and there used to be a band, snare drum, um, kettle drums, bigger kettle drums, bugles, baton holder, bass drum, and we would do a lap of the assembly with all the, all the children in the middle mm. doing a routine that we would practice every Wednesday that we were taught by a guy called George Watson. Right, and the front cover of the of of um, uh, one of the pictures in the book is dedicated to George Watson's. The, the picture's called George Watson Fan Club. What's mm. um, that picture there? Can you see it down there? I can see that. Yep. Um, and that's that's in the book. Yep. Um, and that's also this is this is kind of what I'm trying to do at the moment. Is yep. I'm trying to sell that stuff, you know, online. Mm. You know, you can buy my my prints and everything, but I kind of don't know how to do it. So yeah, right. <laughs> that that's the stuff that gets my head in, you know, because I'm I'm not a good salesman, you know, and I don't really know that world. I'm sure there's an e-commerce thing, so I'm trying to find people that are kind of helping with that at the moment. Great. Um, but but getting so George Watson used to teach us that routine, and so I think from that, and I was doing that for another six years old. So possibly that was that was an inherent sense of what rhythm is, you know, because I was because it was you you were you were using the marching drum and you you know that that's kind of the only thing I could think of because I, mm. I I didn't have a, a lesson until I was 13 or 14 and I would have already been playing six years. Yep. Were you aware of any other other drummers? So outside influence drummers and from records and yeah, that kind yep, of stuff? Yep. 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 Um uh, Gene Kruger, okay, which was early, early days. Yep. Only because people put me up, and you know, older fellas would say, Oh, you need to listen to Gene Kruger. That's it. Um, it was either Gene Kruger or Buddy Rich, wasn't it? Buddy Rich, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, then there was, um, I got into, into funk a lot. Like my brother used to listen to Stevie Wonder, so, mm. um, uh, and when I was growing up. You know, um, Jeff Beck, so um, I think it was uh, Richard Richard Bailey, Harley, Harvey Mason, yep. um, Billy Cobham yep. was an early, you know, but but I was more so for his for his prowess because it, you couldn't really adapt what he was doing to what I was doing, gotcha. you know. Mm. Um, but it was like yeah, lots of skill. Mm. Um, and then the the real big turnaround for me was was discovering reggae. Okay. Yeah, reggae and and. Reggae and funk really were like you know James Brown and Clyde Stubble and and uh, Clyde Stubblefield and mm. and um, Carlton Barrett from from the from the Whalers mm. you know and um, yeah when I kind of really studied them properly but that was when I was like fourteen fifteen that mm. was that was a real kind of like wow you know love that stuff and then Stuart Copeland you know so yeah yeah um, so yeah it, it was it was it was a, a 
you know, probably having music all around and just it, it seeping in. But I don't really, I don't know, you know, and I, I, I often think about that where, you know, so, so in many ways I feel like it is a bit of a gift and so I don't want to waste it, you know. That's one of the don't waste a minute, you know, is, is – um, is, Which, for people that I don't feel, know, that's that's one of the songs off the album. Yeah, I, I feel the blight. Don't waste a minute. Exactly. See, I've been listening. I've been listening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I feel like it's my it's my. Uh, I want to do the best work I can, and there is there is a bit of a thing of like, you know, the, the older you get, the, the the better that you you want to have your creations be, you know, and so, I yeah. and I don't, I don't just kind of go, oh yeah, well, you know, I can play drums, so I can kind of do anything. I, I do explore and I do, I do, I do, I, I love learning. Yeah, that's cool. Um, So from drums, you, you, you just touched on it um, earlier, how, you know, you learned all those grooves and stuff and then you now you move to the front and you're the, you're the front man of, of your bands now and, and that kind of thing. So how did, how did that, step come about was it a was it like a case of you know you being in bands and seeing people up there and you're thinking to yourself well i can i can do this or i mean or maybe not i could do it better but i reckon i could do that as or is it something that was yeah. was always there that you wanted to get to get up the front um i mean as far as getting up the front i i I um, was asked this recently and I forgot that when I was about 10 years old, there used to be a Chuck Berry song called My Dingaling, right? And it was, a, you know, it was a double entendre. You know, he was talking about Little Bell, but it was actually, you know, talking about his penis, you know. Yeah. So, and, and I got it and I knew that it was, it, was, it was a bit funny. And so when we used to do those Maltese dances, they used to have a huge lead and I used to go and sing the song sitting on ladies' laps, going around the actual dance floor to, to you know, 400 people and everything, yeah, like doing yeah. a floor show. Yeah, awesome. But I, I was not self-conscious about it and everything. I think, oh, this is what I have to do. Okay, yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah. So, and I, I, I don't remember flinching at it. I thought, oh, okay, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it just it didn't even think twice. I suppose I was yeah. young enough not to be so self-conscious. Um, and that was it up until I was about 16 years old and I, at 16, I realised, look, I want to start writing songs. I want to, I want to learn another instrument apart from drums. It was either going to be keyboards or guitar. And I thought, what's the most portable? Because I, I, I don't imagine that. I mean, I used to love camping, coming to the hills. And I wanted something portable. I said, you know, guitar. So I, I grabbed the guitar and I just, I just taught myself, you know, and, and just kept dabbling, you know, and then started getting into a bit of recording with four tracks and then, just really kind of slowly made my way into that world of, ah, oh, I capture something. Ah, oh, what's that chord? You know, whatever. Mm. Um, and I got probably up until the point of between 16 and 19, it was just writing songs and dabbling on the guitar. But you get to a point of proficiency where you kind of, you can belt it out. You can kind of go, okay, I can do something here. And then when I got into reggae, which was check, 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 that rhythm and chord, you know, that was all I had to do. Just learn, you know. Um, 
I, st- I still don't really know <laughs> the notes of the guitar, yeah. but I just know that note. I like that note. I like that progression. I like that inversion. I'm just doing that. I don't, what, what is it? The E seven six with it? I don't care. I mean, whatever it is, <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like this. It looks like the little man walking up the stairs yeah. with his finger down the bottom of the just, just copy my fingers. Don't ask me what yeah, it exactly. is. Just copy me. Exactly right. I mean, there's a classic <laughs> shape. I still don't know what it's called. It's just this shape here, which is. I just call it the arrow shape because it's the arrow pointed that way. Like. Just by moving the fingers that's, around. That's, re- that's almost like a – it's almost a major seven from what I'm – Out of here. Yeah, the, ar- yeah, the arrow. That's, that's – But then drop the string. Right. And then – and like – Yeah, so I I like spending hours just doing that, yeah. making mistakes basically. Right. Awesome. <laughs> and, it, and you know, yeah. So so that that's my modus operandi. I I, I took one, I had one one guitar lesson once, yeah. and it was about scales and everything. And I went, no, nah, no, nah, I, I need to just I'll go back to just exploring. You know, I, I had proper drum lessons when I was from the age of fourteen to eighteen or something. You know, right. from a couple of different drum teachers. Yeah. Um, I just was mainly technique and rudiments and just, you know, skill, you know. Uh, but I do most of it, all of it by ear. Yeah. Like when I'm, when I'm playing doing a keyboard, for example, um, I'll put ticky tape on the notes not to play. <laughs> gotcha. Right? So I'll, I'll work it out. Okay, that doesn't sound good. Okay, that could work. Yeah, that's, yeah that could work depending if I was in that chord. Yeah. Um, and I still do that now. Is, is that if you're working on a particular part? No, like for instance, like um, like uh, what song? Um, Home, for example, like yep. the solo, you know. Yep. So I just made sure that don't play that note, that note, that note, <laughs> that note and and, and tape, I tape so, them up. That's awesome. But whatever whatever I played or a little mark on it, that you just you, you know that you're on the right thing, you know, because I don't know my if a G has one flat or C. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, when when we play when we do the gigs with Bustamento, some of the guys are going, you know, one flat, one flat, you know, some of them go, oh, just like F or G. I don't know. <laughs> Just, yeah. just tell me what finger to take off. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, I got to the point of of then I was playing drums with Ross Hannaford. God love him. He was, he was, he was real, my real guitar guru, um, and he couldn't make it. And I learned enough songs on the on the guitar, enough reggae tunes. Fairly simple, you know, two chord things, three chords. And I, reckon, I said I, I could probably do it. You know, I, I know how to sing. I could probably do a set. Um, and I, I'd already played bass and sang in the band mm. as well. So I'd already done a bit of that and dabbled with that. So I was pretty cool with being on stage, confronting an audience. Um, but the guitar was a good, bit of a different thing. And then we had the first gig and, and we got asked to play other gigs from that first gig and went, well, I must be doing something right, you know. Um, and then Love and Reggae and then writing songs in that format then starting the band overtones then bomber and it's it just you know just just that but lots of lots of mistakes on the way lots yeah. of like you know yeah. and and still to this point you know to this day 
if if I'm uh, I, can, I, I can solo, but I'll need just a minute just to kind of go. You need a minute okay. to put. You need a minute to tape the strings up. Tape the yeah. strings. Up. <laughs> it's just make a mental memory of like you know. Yeah, gotcha. You know, but yeah. uh, there was one. There's a jazz. I forgot who it was. He said, "You're only a semitone away from the right." Yeah, that's it. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So just bend. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What was your first band experience away from? You know that that Maltese community band, something okay, so, something outside of that. Well, as, as the Maltese band was happening, we were getting into which was like you know Elvis Presley and you know uh, Abba and all type of thing. Yep. We were getting into Jeff Beck, okay. into Stilly Dan, right? Uh, into the, the Crusaders, um, you know Doobie Brothers, you know um, songs like Cocaine, dun, 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 you know which we couldn't play those other things. So okay. we built up a set. And the first gig I ever did with the band during those numbers was in this valley about 15 minutes down the road when right. I was 14, right? It's a place called Harrietville, yep. Snowline Hotel. So that was kind of like, okay. And then it, it got hard at some point. We were rehearsing those songs and, you know, my dad got quite angry that we were actually, mm. you know, you know, and then we'd, we'd, like at some point we tried living for the city which is a Stevie Wonder song, you yep. know, a buyer's bond in the Maltese gig. Right. And it was like, you know, it's like, nah, you know, like it's so right. we, we, you had to really separate the two. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so eventually that kind of took over and we started, it was the cover band time. So we you could you could play five nights a week around Melbourne and do a six-month tour playing five nights a week in the venue doing covers. Mm. And so when I was 16... I was doing. Uh, I was about to do year eleven, so I, I did. I I um, did my first tour um, for four months. Uh, I was doing year eleven by correspondence. Uh, I lost my virginity. I smoked dope for the first time. Um, I wrote my first song, and uh, while we were on the road, a, a friend of ours that well, someone we befriended died of a, a heroin overdose, and we, we befriended some drag queens in Rockhampton. Fuck, this is all. That's the hell of a tour. All, <laughs> right, right, and so it would be five weeks at the Grosvenor Hotel in Rockhampton, playing five nights a week. Yeah. And if a touring band came through, we'd be the support. Yep. Um, six weeks in Cairns, mm. three weeks in Mackay, two weeks in Newcastle, and then a snow gig on the way back. And that was the first tour. And from there, that was when I got my first, you know, paycheck, wrote my first song. And then it really was like, okay, this is what I want to do. Okay. Um, you know, finished the year, finished school and everything. And I remember school finished for me when, when we were in Cairns and I was, you know, doing the, doing the exam and everything. And, and they said, we need someone for the, um, to, to, to make the teams even in the volleyball, in the pool. <laughs> and I went... I looked at my studies and I went, school's <laughs> over. And that was it. That's and that it. was my last, you know. Yeah. <coughs> um, and, yeah, haven't really and, – and I've been making a living from music ever since. So I've had to do – I've done a couple of odd jobs to supplement when I had the family, you know, like um, yep. when the kids were growing up, you know, worked in a newspaper one day a week and I had a sprinkler system, you know, started a little business installing sprinkler systems, you mm. know, but – there's mainly music, you know, and, and then I, and then once I learned how to record, mm. 
and I set up my studio. That was my main bread and butter. I'd, I'd, I'd be recording singer-songwriters four days a week mm. and because everybody wants to be a star, but you still got to record them, and I yeah. kind of learned that quickly. You know, so. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Did you, have you got any regrets of not finishing your studies? Uh, no, because I'm yep. still learning. Cool. I'm an eternal student. Yep. I'm just I'm just on a different university degree. Like right now, I'm on a university degree about loops and looper stations and looper cool. pedals and SPDX, and it kind of does my head in a little bit because I know that I could just have an acoustic guitar, yeah, and 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 a percussionist, and I can smash an evening. I can I can do it now, you know. So, but there's a new album out. I want to be. I want to be able to have some kind of reference to, and so I've already done a tour with my brother who plays keyboard, bass, and and, and keys. I was. I was instead of being on the guitar, I'm on a drum kit up the front. Right. Okay. That's so cool. I've come full circle with this tour. Yeah. Right. And that's why I'm kind of concentrating on drums a bit more. You know, it's more drum based. It's more yep. like you know we gave away a drum kit as part of the promotion. You know, so, yep. um, so when, when I'm touring, I'm on the kit, the microphone up the front. Keyboard, guitarist, and percussionist. And that's the band. And we can play everything on the album. Yep. Right. But that tour fell apart in COVID. Mm-hmm. And I lost money on it. And so I like, so it's the landscape of touring at the moment is not great. So the way to go around it is to cons- consolidate and, 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 and downsize. Yep. So at first, I want to be able to do a show with myself and the looper using, using, Elements of the of the album on the looper, but doing some stuff live and being able to drop stuff in and out. So I'm learning. How to, I've just got a foot pedal today that can operate the. And today the RC five hundred five Mark II just rolled up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've been using the normal five hundred five, which I love. I've written so many songs on that. If not half the album is written on the five hundred five. Great. Um, but I also don't want to be kind of going. Like that all the time. So I've got a MIDI foot pedal now, the Nectar, which is going to operate that. And I haven't, it's not still in the box. Yeah. So that's part of my university yeah, degree. Yeah, gotcha. thing, you know? So, so, and, and, but, so I want to be able to do that. And then I've got another musician, a magnificent musician called Don, because, because I can't really take my brother on the road at the moment because of his um, anti vax stance. Okay. So, um, I, so that that's the thing. So, and which is a pity, you know, because it would be a lot easier just to go, "Hey, we're just learning more songs." Yep. So now I have to kind of, you know, yeah, um, which is, you know, that's his choice, and that's that's fine. Sure. Um, and so, there's a musician that I've been working with a long time called Dorian West, who was a musical director for, yep. um, you know, Dorian Mason. Yeah, I know. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So he's coming on board. He's, he's going to, it's going to be me and him, and possibly one percussionist. Cool. So, but first, I want to do my homework with the looper. Yeah. Because then I can say, let's still use a loop, but let's just do the percussion section um, or use the bass line from the loop and everything. And you play guitar and you play percussion. I'll still on the kit and everything. And we can still kind of make it work that way. Or let's just see what it sounds like as a trio yeah. with. Because the percussionists can also play drums. Yeah. So you get on the drum kit, I'll get in the guitar, yep. you're on the bass. Let's see what that sounds like. Yep. You know? And some and so I need to work it what out what that is. And that that's where um, the idea of is getting that happening before the tour starts, supposedly in May. Like on, on March the fifth, I'm supposed to be supporting John Butler with the Palais. Yep. So that's my, you know. Um and you know, regardless, whatever I'll do, it'll, it'll, it'll I'll, I'll get something together because I always, I always, I'll always, you know, it's only, you're only on stage for, you know, 
45 minutes when you're supporting. So okay. I can I can entertain people for 45 minutes. Even if I could do this, this show that I do now and doing one or two from the new album, it'll be okay. Great. So my major frustration is that, is that I keep telling myself, you don't have time. I'm going, oh, fuck it, I've got time. Just leave me alone. Well, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so if I'm, you know, like yesterday I was painting and I'm thinking, fuck, I should be, you know, I said, no, it's okay. You you know, yeah. you're going to, you're going to cram course it in the last two weeks. You're going to be okay. <laughs> you know? And I know, I know I will. And, that, and that's, that's, um, uh, so I don't know that, that, that anxiety, if you like, is something that I'm actually dealing with, you know, personally at the moment just trying to work out where that's coming from you know um and you know just you know two days ago it's like i gotta get out and I, I just i went out for a big bike ride and i felt got out in nature and i felt heaps better afterwards yeah yeah you know, yep. you can, you know talk things through and get out you know i know exactly um, i know exactly what you're going through there because that's kind of me at the moment i've got so much going on and um yeah there might be something coming up and then i think to myself now i've got to do some work on it now and so I'll start yeah. working on it now. No, I've got something else on tomorrow yeah. that I haven't touched yet. And it's like, yeah, yeah. oh, shit, maybe yeah. maybe I'll leave that yeah. and, <laughs> and focus on the thing that I've got happening tomorrow. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Well, the hard, the hard thing about thing being and, yeah. self-employed yep. and being your own producer and yep. your own thing is that you have to learn You have to learn how to discipline. You have to actually you know, yeah. get a little bit of routine happening. You know, And I'm yep. like my partner uh, who's just recently moved in, mm. You know, we're talking exactly about that. You know, like like in order to try to get the balance right. Yep. You know, um, the discipline and the routine was actually the thing that's going to going to give you freedom because weeks coming around really quickly. Like you know, it's like yeah. oh, it's Wednesday again. Great. No, uh, you know. Mm. Yeah. So um, but generally, you know, if you strip it all back, and this is the song "Why Worry." That's what I worry about. Is that I'm really you know, ecstatic to be alive, you know, and then for the probability of me existing on this planet and, you know, the way that the planet exists and where we are in the galaxy yep. and everything's like pretty fucking mind-blowing that, we, that we're doing this right now, you know. Yep. Um, so I, I try to tap into that more than, than often, you know, ceremonies, um, being still um, and just realising that, and hence the name of the album, then I'm always going to have food and shelter. Mm-hmm. And some people, that's all they have. Mm-hmm. And they're extremely happy. You know? So the trimmings and all the things you see and everything, it's like, that's not going to make me record the song. That's not going to make me create the thing. You know, at the at the essence, I could have a guitar and I can I can make a group of people uh, smile and feel better about the moment um, and incite them into some kind of positivity or dancing or something and that's my job mm. you know and so um that's an important ancient ritual that's been there and i realized that 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 if if i've just got food and shelter and providing the service of being the village musician then that that's that's where it starts and i can always come back to that and i always have that um and as long as i don't lose sight of that then everything else is is fun on top yeah. And you don't get too kind of hung up about it, yep. you know. Yep. Um, and I'm doing that at the moment. You know, I have a, a beautiful place to live, uh, you know, a, a, a gorgeous partner and someone that understands 
me, you know, and I've been through, I've, I was married for 18 years and, and divorced and, you know, lots of relationships trying to find and to the point where I was just like, I know who I am and I'm actually going to gonna, gonna um, live the single life knowing that this is what I need. Yep. And if I meet somebody that's compatible with that, fantastic. If not, fantastic. Great. You know, and so, and, and that, and that, and, I, and I'm at that point at the moment. I feel kind of blessed to be at that point, but still getting to the essence of what, what am I contributing to society? What is my? Again, I started a record label called Transmitter, and it's about we're all transmitters. Yeah, um, we're all sending out frequencies, and we're all receiving frequencies. And and so, what? What's my transmission? What's my frequency? What, what do I want you to receive from me? So you have to understand what is your transmission in the first place. And so if you get that right and your transmission on a daily basis and on a momentary basis is quite kind of joyful and pure because you, you've kind of worked out your shit. Yeah. But we're constantly working out your shit because you're constantly weeding. Yeah, you know, so yeah, you know, I mean, I, I could talk for hours about that type yeah. of thing, and that's a lot of what my songs are about. You know, it's about well, that, that what you're talking about there, the trend that that's Changels, isn't it? That's that's your song, Changels. Well, Changels is actually, um, that's so multifaceted that one, but okay. the essence is is that when you go through changes, like um, life to death, breaking up of a relationship, moving out of home, um what you consider to be a disappointment, a loss, a gain or whatever, when you go through these changes, there are, for me, um, you know, spirits or entities or angels, if you like, that help you through the change. So mm. the change, angels of change, yeah. changels, right? So, and it's a bit like it's about your philosophy. It's about like, like these changels kind of buffer it. You know, or or help you process it. Yeah, and so yeah, very much so that that. But 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 I also see them as, you know, like people that have passed away that 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 have been very close to me. Um, that they're they're going. It's okay. This this will pass. It's okay. You can, you can cry. It's okay. There will be something. You know, there will be something. You know that this is part of an adventure, part of a process of life that will get you to that. Yeah. And then that, yeah. you know, and it, it might seem like that, but it's actually not. It's just, you know, you've just this realisation. And there's some things that, you know, like if, like the passing away of my father, for example, you know, that was, um, he was my changel. Okay. You know, he, he it, was, it was, I really felt him while he was passing, that he was there going, it's cool, mm. you know. Mm. And I also have this philosophy that we're all eternal energies. Our energies, energies always exist but at the moment we're just having a human experience. Okay. Right? So it's like, um, so to be aware of the fact that we're just aware and to be more more aware and conscious of this life that we're living and fucking have fun, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. let's just, just, you know, don't take things that, you know, when I, when I speak to people that have passed, that, that are on their deathbed yeah. or that know that they're dying, the general um, conversation it leads to is that don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that so many times is that I shouldn't have spent so much time worrying about that when, you know, in the scene of things like it'll turn out, you know, it, it was okay. So not sweating the small stuff means, you know, again, 
it's don't micromanage yourself too much. Gotcha. You know, that, 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 yeah, all that type of stuff. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all over that. I'm all over, yeah. don't sweat the small stuff. But yeah, at this, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you, you probably, you probably know of that book and, and the podcast or audio book of don't sweat the small stuff. And I no, remember, I don't, li- I don't actually. Oh, you don't? Okay. Yeah. I remember, um, I remember listening to it. Yeah, I listened to it. That's right. My wife's got the book, but I listened to it. And there's this one, it's at the start of the, the start of the, the um, audio book. And he's talking about, <clears throat> he gets in his car and he's driving to work and he gets on the freeway and there's this guy in a car next to him and he's freaking out. He's trying to cut in the traffic. He's beeping his horn. He's all stressed, zipping. Then he sort of disappears up the freeway. And, you know, the, the story the storyteller is still in his car. He's re- really relaxed. Just, you know, doing his thing. Gets about 10 minutes up the trip. Next thing you know, he's pulled up alongside the dude and the angry guy in the car. <laughs> he's still stressing out, still beeping, yeah, still, you very, know, a, indicating, a, a trying great, to get out. Yep. And then a great they, analogy. Yep. And then they, you know, 20, 30 minutes later, they pull up to a similar destination and they get there about the same time. Yeah. Right. No, totally. I mean, that 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 that's that's the essence of anxiety. For sure. I was I was that guy. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I was that driver. So same with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I used to I used to actually lean forward on the closer to the steering wheel, thinking I'd get there quicker. <laughs> Literally, my whole body was going, you know. Yeah. And I actually I nearly had. Did you? Uh, oh, sorry. I mean, did you used to duck under the bridge? You know, you go under a bridge <laughs> and you duck. <laughs> I, yeah, it's funny because yeah, that that and I use that analogy a lot because mm. because um, you know uh, it it does it does uh, give a physical representation of what's in your mind for sure you know that type of thing and and I, I nearly had a car accident um, which involved that sense of anxiety mm. and jealousy. Mm. and the car spun and everything, and I got out of the car, and in that instance, I was so um, amazed at the power that the jealousy had over me and that how they fueled with the anxiety that I, I vowed to squash them and to the point that now... I um, and it, it, I don't know how it happened or what it is, but but um, people find it even hard to live with me because of it. I have no jealousy. I have. I actually it it it, it twisted. It the wires completely went backwards. Yeah. And and um, and I remember the moment very well. I was just like so amazed that that the that emotion manifested itself in so much physical angst and the type of thing that I was able to um, somehow wisely step back and observe myself and go, my God, not doing that again. That was like, you know. Um, and, so, and sorry, can you expand on the jealousy part of that and how that uh, it, got it, to it, do with the – you don't have to go into details, but – Yeah, well, well, it, it, to do with – yeah, it was, it was something to do with my, my – in um, my fiance at the time mm. who, was, who ended up being my wife for 18 years um, and 
yeah, some information that wasn't given to me and whatever. Okay. Just it, it, right. it made me, it made me, it okay. made me, yeah, it was, there was some, someone was like, someone, someone was hiding something from me, you know, and, okay. and I allowed it to, 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 um, to manifest itself. But were you talking more about that or? So that, that made you angry and drive fast? Is that, is that what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That, okay. that, that's, I understand. That, that, that's, yeah. And, and, um, uh, and it was very, much part of how I was like so it was the anxiety okay. and, the, and the jealousy kind of fueled together to to nearly kill me yeah right okay I you understand know? um and um yeah and and the the and that struggle and that conversation has informed probably 50 to 60 percent of the lyrics of my of, of my songs all my life mm-hmm. about the recognition the solution mm-hmm. um, or the problem, the recognition of the problem mm-hmm. and the, the solution and then the, the adaptation of that solution. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not just like, oh, yeah, it'll be okay. You, you have to tear the shit apart. Yeah. You have to, you know, that type of thing. And that's where the journals come in for me too. Like I don't write as much as I used to, but if I'm going, if I'm going through a process and I tell my children, I tell, you know, even in workshops and even that type of thing is that write that shit down, yeah. get it out of your head yeah. because the, the mind is capable of holding an orchestra of fucking, an encyclopedia of, of concepts and ideas. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing, the, yeah. the mind, you know. So, but, yeah. but it's also like, a, you know, a ramshackle train on the loose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Where, where were we going? Like. I don't know. I like these tangents. Yeah, me too. That's awesome. That's awesome. I suppose um, we were talking about. uh, um, Oh yeah, you were talking about yeah. See, and what? Because and then like earlier on, I like there's one of my favourite little parts of your album, and I think it's on Changels too. Is and you go transmission time, 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 time. What I'm doing is I'm, I'm emulating a, a a a delay unit when you yeah. turn it down and go, it goes, yeah, yeah. time, 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 that, yeah, that that song is kind of just to trust that that you kind of will, will be okay. That mm. when change is actually quite a beautiful thing. When we we exist because of change. If if the earth was it was as it was, you know, a million years ago, you know, we wouldn't be here. You know, if we are we are constantly in the in the process of change and evolution, and you know, I um, I mean, even in a physical perspective, like. I have this thing that we're our, 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 our uh, I'm going off on tangents. It's anyway. all good, man. Um, my uh, our, our family very much about um, the statue is the heads heads down a little bit, and it's kind of like like just the way we walk, the way the Maltese kind of walk a little bit, head down everything. And so yep. for the last two years, I've been doing this this complete opposite of that, and actually trying to to change the curvature of my spine. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm doing my exercise every day where I'm just leaning back as much as I can. Mm. And so the new equilibrium is there. Gotcha. It's not there anymore. Gotcha. It's there. 
And I do that on a daily basis. And to the point that when I do that and come to here, it's it's might strange, but it feels a little bit orgasmic. It's like yeah. my body's evolving into a new um, position that actually feels where where I should be, and and I perceive the world in a more confident, um, positive, active, smiling way as opposed to that. Mm. And I'm I'm totally aware of that. And to the point that I often joke with people that eventually we're going to evolve, that we're just going to be looking at the sky. (laughs) We'll all be lying down. We'll all be on our backs. No, no, we'll be walking like this. Like Like the Thunderbirds. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my my favourite... Sensation, yeah, is uh, like physical sensation is lying, is 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 I'm sorry, floating in a pool, yep, on a starry night, looking at the heavens, yeah, but I'm not actually lying down, I'm actually floating, gotcha, right? So it's as though if I'm on the curvature of the earth, you know, I'm facing out into space, not not walking, yeah, my head up here, type of thing, you know, it's not, I'm not doing that, I'm actually, you know, and so. That sense of space, when I remember the first time I did it, it was like, wow, this is like, <laughs> wow, you know, there's something, awesome. yeah. I, awesome. And I just still, I still can't, I still, you know, the fact that I'm alive is the older I get, the more in tune to that that I get. That's cool, man. You, yes. that, that posture thing, Um, do you, when you play drums, do you, have you always sort of slouched over when you play? And, and with that... It, it, with that yeah. in mind now, that whole have you tried to play a little bit more straight straight backed? And have you no, have you noticed the change? Not so no, much absolutely. in your playing, but like you you were talking there about how that made you feel to be Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um I think uh, a lot of it is to do, and funnily enough, is with seat height. Yep. For a start. Yep. Right. Because the higher you are, you're trying to, you know, you tend to, you know, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, and I'm currently always playing with that. But, and I realize that certain times when I want to play a certain way, I'll do the, the, the Remy from Stone, Stone Roses, do the, <laughs> oh, but then do that. But, but generally I'm trying to do that because I was singing as well. Okay. So the diaphragm has to be as open as possible because okay. if you're singing like that, it's not great. So yeah. I'm trying to go. And I, so I adjust the microphone. So, I make sure that I'm there, mm. right? So that so that's my cue. So if I'm doing that, if I need to sing, I have to do that. So I've learnt to do that. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, um, but but uh, for many years, I was a bit of a croucher. I was, right. you know, that type of thing. But um, and I just do it for effect now, just to kind of like if I'm doing a Gene Krupa solo, I'll go. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's how you got to yeah. play that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So yeah. So and the physicality of drums too is such a physical instrument. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's. I think also I find a lot of drummers are kind of active people. You know, they kind yep. of you know, they're always kind of nervy and kind of doing it. You know, people can't sit across the road from me because like the the tables. Is that? Oh, speaking. Yeah. yeah, I got. I, I quite often my wife will lean over in the middle of the night and give me a whack because my <laughs> because my toes are my toes. I can't yeah. stop moving my toes. My toes are always just moving. They're pl- okay. like if I'm awake or even if I'm 
half asleep or whatever, I might have a groove or a song in my yeah, head and my yeah. feet are just going against the shh, 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 yeah, like yeah, totally, whack. Totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the That's toes okay. are clicking. <laughs> yeah. make, make sure make sure she whacks you in time. Though. That's, That's exactly right, right, eh? Okay, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah you're, you're a bit late then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of, speaking of time – yeah, it's running away, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, that's 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 cool. But one of your songs, "Rise of the New Shango." Yeah, right. Can you explain to me the the time signature of the, okay. or, or the the phrasing of? Yeah, I'll, I'll show you. It's actually it's funny because. Hang that on, song... can I, let me just can I can we play it just so the audience yeah, I, I, can hear? I'll get I'll get I'll get the ukulele bass because I wrote it on that. Uh, okay, cool. So let me just play the. Yep. The song off the well, the part of the song off the album, and yep. people hear what I what I heard. Okay, here we go. This is in four. It's in four. Yep. Ah, six. Okay, gotcha. That's it. Got it. Got That's it. it. Okay. And if you want, and if you want to play it, it's yep. so simple. Yep. It's bass guitar, first three strings. Right. Now, you're going. I, I do. I do a, a tapping technique. Right. Yep. It's just you say you go. That's the first one. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and now I'm just going down the hill. Okay. Second part, I'm just going up the hill. Yeah, gotcha. Next string. Cool, man. And that's it. And then the chorus. Yep. That's the song. Cool, that's man. It. Two parts. I try. I've tried many times to try and count it out and find the one, and then you know, of course, you know that little um. The chorus or, or pre pre chorus four. break. Yeah. It's four, and it b- but, brings me but, back, and then I'll, I'll, I'm lost again. <laughs> yeah. so the only the only reason it's six is because of that pattern is yep, which is very Middle Eastern. Okay. Yeah. Cool man, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. One um, one thing I want to ask you about is um, back when you're playing with um, John Butler, and John Butler's your brother-in-law, right? Yeah. Right. So you were part of the band when um, a couple of those albums hit a fair bit of commercial success. Now, what was that like? What was that? 
did you have any idea that that was going to happen um, all of a sudden? You know, yeah. it's it's a big, big no, deal. Well, it was, it was like I, this. Was it humbling? So I, and, yep. I had I had my band called Bomba. Yep. Um, funk reggae outfit. Yep. Um, I think we had an album out at the time. Um, and I was also playing with a band called Double Dub. Now, then he started going out with my sister. And, and I'd heard of John, but not, not a lot. And then he came and saw me play. He saw me play with, with Double Dub and because I was playing drums with Double Dub mm-hmm. um, and it was guitar with, with and he knew that I was heavily into reggae, went to Jamaica and everything. So he knew that that was, and he was starting to get into reggae. Yep. And he was kind of, he'd just released three. He was kind of, you know, things were kind of happening a little bit. There was a bit of a buzz about him, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, that type of thing. Then, and he had a bit of a trio happening, but but he wanted to explore stuff. He wanted to kind of just be be ignited, I suppose, and, and try something different. So mm-hmm. he approached me and said, just have a jam, you know, so just have a little little jam. He said, because I'm, I'm, you know, um, messing around with this, um, with uh, just, you know, getting into Bob Marley and getting, the, you know, he was living in Byron at the time mm-hmm. and, and, um, and and the bomber thing was going going pretty good. Um, then he said, and I'm looking for a new bass player, you know. So and I just happened to be playing this one gig that I did with a band called um I think it was Discarga, um, um a Latin band. Mm. We had one gig and we had one rehearsal. Right. And that rehearsal was Shannon Birchall was playing. Right. And he had he had a necklace that was like my spiral. Right. right? And and he played pretty well. And I thought, listen, um, I'm I'm looking for bass players for John at the moment. Just, you know, do you want to be interested in having a bit of a bit of a jam? Right. Um, so we had a jam and you know, we, we liked it. John liked kind of a bit of a vibe. So mm. I was on drums, mm. Shannon was on um Double bass, John and guitar, and I was also working with Joe Camilleri. We had set mm-hmm. up a, a, a an album a, a label. He was, you know, he's like my he's like my, my brother. Yep. Um, and and he had Woodstock Studios, and he, he this desk actually, this very desk. Oh, right. Was okay. Woodstock. Yeah. Right. Um, so we kind of hooked up the family together, and we started rehearsing to record an album. Um, and the the the, the key track was was Zebra. Which was the song that kind of that that was the flagship song, yep. um, and that was a bit of it was called Zepra because it was like Zep Zeppelin, yep, and Ra Raga Zepra, ah, cool. and then it became Zebra, right, right, and so and so it was a combination of you know rock and, and reggae in that in that in, a, in a, not like the police used to used yep. to do it, but more with the sliding guitars and yep. different way, yep, um, and. I didn't know that. I knew that that was the that was the of all the songs that seemed to have something good about it. Yeah. Because I remember hearing the first kind of mix, and I thought it all sounds a bit lame, to be honest. You know, I said <laughs> it needs to be. You need some kind of juice. I don't know, like remastered or something. And mm. and um, um, I just remember thinking, I thought this it sounded better in the studio than what's what, what I'm hearing just on the CD. You know, mm. so um, and I made those comments, but. Um, Released Zebra, went through the roof. And yeah. pretty much John's career from there kind of went. But but I was playing with Bomber at the time. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't tour with him. So okay. we recorded Sunrise Oversea together. Right. But then I found him, Michael Barker, as a drummer. 
Uh-huh, right. right. Gotcha. So then they toured the yep, world. Yep. And I was kind of glad I didn't do it then because it was the first time they toured. And when I ended up touring with the band, was there was the, the, the band was more established and it was the type of touring that I wanted to do. Because, okay. Um, there's a whole thing about if you're working for somebody else, at the end of the day, I'm a songwriter too. And I knew at some point that, you know, that you're going to miss your songs. You're going to miss doing your own thing. You've got, you got your, your boat sitting over there and you're on somebody else's boat. Gotcha. But John being my brother-in-law and everything, it was, you know, I could, so I couldn't do that album. Then they consequently recorded another album, I think mm. Grand National. Mm. Then John, you know, had a thing. He wanted to change again. He wanted to, he, he needed to, he's constantly exploring. And he called me up again. And we started jamming. Um, and we found another bass player and we recorded April Uprising. Mm-hmm. And then we recorded and toured the world. Okay. Are you on that tour? You got on that I tour? Was on, I, I toured for five years with him. Okay. Then we recorded Flesh and Blood. Yep. And I kept touring a bit with him. But I pretty much from 2008 to 2013. Yep. Um, so we played songs off Sunrise Overseas as well. Right. Of course. So I was, you know, 2009, 2013, I, I was a, a fully fledged member of the John Butler Trio. Right. Toured the world. Did all the ARIA awards, mm. Um, mm. you know, all 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 the the, the, the photography and and mm. uh, the press, and mm. I loved it because I wanted to. One of my things to do as a musician was to tour the world playing drums, but not having to set up the drums and the type of thing like I'm, yeah, I'm just yeah. walking and play <laughs> gotcha. on that high level. You gotcha. know, we yeah, played yeah. Madison Square Garden. You know, we played Red Rocks. You know, so wow. yeah. and and so I, I'm I'm totally honoured. You know, um, but I got to a point where I was really missing you my the, own songs. You missed the boat, man. You're missing your boat. Yeah, you know, yep. and so and 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 I started the Melbourne Scar Orchestra. Okay, and we played at the at the Metro, and it was huge. It was jam packed, um, and John was at that gig, mm. and he said, he said, he said, I I know how you've been feeling, and uh, and on top of things, he said it's probably you know a good time to to fo- to follow that. You know, to 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 strike while the iron's hot, go with that, catch a fire. You know, um, though you know the orchestra wasn't a thing where the trajectory was like it went to being a you know. Right. Things are always constantly changing and everything, you know. But but it, I, I needed to get back on my boat, whatever that boat was, you know. And um, but having said that, in two weeks' time, John's coming here. For the first time, to we're going to start bashing it together again. Wow, right? that's cool, man. So, so you know, and he's in the solo world now because yep. you know touring with a trio is is, is costly yep. and all yep. over the place. Yep. And there's people on retainers, and if some fucks up, you're still going to pay. Yeah, I understand. I mean, I'm I'm doing that with all. I got you know the Melbourne Sky Orchestra and my Bustamento, and I got mm. four bands kind of on the go. Yeah, but if something cancels and they're booked, they have to be paid. If um you know, yeah. it, it's, I don't like, I don't like, um, or if we do a gig and nobody turns up, they still got to get paid, mm. you know. And my biggest frustration in life is ticket sales at the moment. It's just like it, it does my fucking head in. Yeah. You know? yeah, we were, I, yeah, we were talking about that, weren't we, yeah. before we and went that, on that, there. That, that is actually my, if there's any anxiety, it's around that. Because mm. I, I, I don't, there's a lot of things involved with that where I, I, I don't do social media. Yeah. I can't do it myself. I actually don't have the head for it, and I, I, 
I oh, so feel you have somebody does your social media? I have to. I, have to I was going to, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you later. Is, is, yeah, yeah. yeah. You need to build, you need to have a team around you because I, I, I physically don't have the time mm. and the, the, the appetite that that, that, that beast needs yeah, to beast. be present. Yeah. Um, but it's an essential, it's an essential part of the world. In many, in many ways, if I'm putting it on a gig, it used to cost me a lot more to put on a gig because it was $3,000 just for the fucking posters. And then you had to advertise yeah. a beat magazine. Yeah. And then and if nobody turned up, you still owed that, that yeah. money. Yeah. Whereas social media and Facebook and Instagram have made it easier, yeah. but there's so much information out there that you have to have the right people to kind of do it for you. You know, like, mm. um, And if they don't do it early enough, you know, you miss out on that's on, it, eh? You know, and so that's what's happening at the moment. That's why we, we put the tour so far ahead so we would have all this lead-up time. Mm. But now the lead-up time has been smashed and, and battered because of COVID that people are scared to buy tickets. Mm. And I'm saying blow the tour out because I don't want that stress. You know, I prefer to stay home and write songs and do this type of thing and play local gigs um, than having to put on a tour that requires flights and accommodation and tra- ground transport and social media and that type of thing. And if no one turns up, yeah, you know, if it's solo, it's okay. If it's solo and one person, I can wear it. And that's kind of that's the state of play at the moment. It's like the, the new Shangos could be fucking anything. The Sticky Bomber <laughs> yeah. and the new Shangos, but yeah. it could be it could be members of the audience. Say, so come right. up and play some drums for me, will you? <laughs> Well, I, I actually read I read something today, and I made a note of that. Um, you, you wrote, well, you, you said something in an interview. He goes, "I'm encouraging budding drummers to learn some grooves, yes, so I can get them up to join me. Could be fun, exactly. could also be dangerous. <laughs> exactly, that's cool. Exactly, man. that's awesome. That's exactly right. That, and, and that's that's kind of what when I say when originally it was it was Nicky Bomber and the New Shango, yeah, which is yeah. the band that I had. Yep. But now the new Shangos is like, fuck it, I can't afford to take that band on the tour. I don't know. So the new Shangos could be back on anything. And it's kind of, I, 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 I had a problem with that saying, people are going to think to expect the band. Yeah. And I'll say, I'll make it look like a band. I'll get some members of the audience yeah. up. I'll get, they can just play some percussion and make it with them. <laughs> <laughs> so but, uh, I, I, there's a lot of, lot of drummers listen to this podcast. And, yeah, um, well, I mean, and, and so, I'm serious about that. Yeah, yep. I, I will, in, in my shows, I'm definitely going to be saying, are there any drummers in the audience? Yeah. And I'm saying, you know, you've done gigs, you know, you've been paid to play drums, you know, it doesn't matter how much, but, and then of those hands, I'll say, okay, you, you, and you. Awesome. Right. But, but and I said, and if, you, if it'll be the joke of saying, how much did you get paid? <laughs> exposure. <laughs> this this is for playing too well. Yeah. This yeah. one, this, you're doing this for exposure. Exactly. This is an exposure gig. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, so there's lots of different, you know, and I love playing with an audience with that, you know, that that that's where the gold is really when you can have fun with an audience. Yeah, that's cool. Now I, I won't keep you too much longer, but one one thing, just going back to the Melbourne Scar Orchestra, and how how many piece band is that? Is it thirty? Okay, yeah. I mean, if it's in playing in Melbourne where there's no flights, it's usually close to thirty. Okay, right. So if, if it's if it's interstate, it's usually twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, you you talk about the. You know the the stress of having, you know, um, you know your band looked after and that kind of thing. <laughs> when you're managing thirty people now, how do you do that? Do you have? Well, I, I don't. I don't go on the road unless I know that there's a guarantee. Okay. Unless sometimes we'll put on a tour, and if we're doing a tour, 
uh, I'll have a buffer of money beforehand that I would have earned to put aside that if something falls apart, they're still going to get paid. I'll make that commitment. But generally, we get paid a lump sum, like to play Blues Fest or to play WOMAD. So I know exactly what I'm getting. Yep. I know exactly. And, and, and regardless of what happened, I don't have to do tickets for that. So from a financial perspective, that anxiety is gone. From an organisational perspective, I have a team. I have someone, okay. a tour manager, right. that we have. We have a travel agent that takes care of the flights. We have a um, who also finds the accommodation. I have a tour manager that sends out the invites and finds out who's available, not available. Right. Finds okay. Gotcha. We're down. Like it just only happened last week. We're down. We're down a, a baritone player for for the Melbourne gig, and so we had to get someone brand new. Thankfully, we've got charts. So learn the charts. You did a great job. Bang. End the story. Cool. Yeah. Right. That answers that. Because I'm thinking, well, I, I mean. It's like a soccer team. It's like a soccer team. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And there's yeah. 40 people, 40 people in the team. Yeah. But only 22 can play this week. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Nikki Bomber, you've got a, uh, have you got a link tree that I can put in the, um, in the show notes there? And you need to talk. To, you well, I'll to talk, talk to you. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll talk. What I'll do is I'll, I'll the email you sent me. I'll, um, I think I think there's a, on my Instagram there is a link tree because it's oh, okay. funny, yep. All right, funny cool. you mentioned that because yep. I went on my Instagram and it says press the link and I said it didn't go anywhere. Mm. And I said you got to press the link tree. I said what what's what's, what's that? And I said <laughs> people know you don't know people, but people it doesn't know matter. What to do. That's right. That's right. They know what to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know I'm a, I'm a luddite when it comes to that. But yeah. you know and but having said that I've also you know the phone. Is also a, a, a rabbit hole. I mean, a, 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 um, I know what you're saying. Uh, a yeah, distraction. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, and I've I've um, only recently disciplined myself to, you know, the scrolling thing, the reels, and all that type of thing mm. is so addictive. Yeah, it is. Um, and I realise that it taps into some kind of part of the, the of humanity that that that's keeps you there. Yeah. Um, so I've just limited it to to that. Do I do enjoy the humour? So yeah, I give yeah. myself ten minutes, ten minutes of that. Oh, cool! And with a timer, and then yep. I, I, I have to switch it off. Yeah, I don't have I don't have Facebook on my phone at all because okay. that was that was that was another. I only use it for um, there's a thing called I live in a place called Bright. Thing called recycling Bright. Yeah, and because I love buying secondhand shit. Yeah, and uh, and I'll go on that on the computer, but not on the phone. Ah, cool. So I've only really got Instagram. Which, but you know, and they give me a hard time for it because they're saying, "Oh, you haven't posted this, haven't posted that." Saying, "No, it just goes through my social media lady," because I actually don't have the time, and I, and and I know what my mind does. You know, like like I must prefer to to look up how to fucking operate an RC five hundred five Mark II, which I've just got. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so the the new album, Food and Shelter. That's out yeah. on all the platforms, and um, yeah. can you also yeah. purchase it too? Do you have vinyl? Yeah. And, yep. Well, you yep. know, I, there's vinyl. Link tree. It's in the link there, tree. <laughs> yeah. There's um, tea towels. Oh, cool. There's mugs. I've got little pencil drumsticks. Oh, great. Um, with Nicky Bomber on them. Yeah. Um, because people don't really buy CDs anymore. It's just you know, and, and that I mean, I should write a book about that. Where if 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 if, if a song was you know, a, a, a sticky tape or yeah. it was a phone or it was a pen, Yeah, it would be considered a forgery what they're doing with songs at the moment, that they just they grab the pen and they sell it to, every, to, to other people saying, I can give you all the pens you want. Yeah. 
right? And so from a songwriter perspective, it's you have to think outside the square of how you're going to make a living. That's it. And, uh, and live has been the main thing lately. You know, that's kind of like, so you have to go, uh, what, what's going on? Yeah. Um, but we adapt and we change and we necessity as the uh, the mother of invention. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I and I've always kind of you know followed that that thing. And again, food and shelter. Yeah. I'm happy, you know, like like nature provides so much, you know, and and life, you know, just how you perceive life is 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 the secret a lot of the time, you know. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm a happy soul. I'm appreciative of of, of life itself. Good stuff. And I yeah. appreciate you spending your evening with me, Nikki. It's been great, no, man. I've, I've had a great time. Awesome. You're a good, you're good dude. Good vibes. <laughs> no worries, man. All right, man. Take it easy. Well, bless you. Um, yep. Keep well. And um, uh, Taranaki. Uh, what, what's it? Taranaki it? Hardcore. Yeah, Taranaki Hardcore. <laughs> Taranaki Posse. Um, but what was the other place next to it? It was uh, Mount Taranaki, wasn't Mount it? Mount Taranaki. Yeah, yep, that's the one. And it was, it was um, new. What was it? The town at the New Plymouth. New Plymouth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yep. And we did we did a gig at, in Hamilton with the Melbourne Sky Orchestra. Hamilton. Yep. Love that place. And that they, it was a, such a rare, unique experience because we drove in and we there was a poster. I mean, a billboard with wow. our faces on it. Awesome. We saw a bus with the band on the back of the bus. <laughs> It was advertised like fucking crazy. It was like we were like in LA and we just released a fucking million dollar seller. <laughs> but it was Hamilton. Yeah, awesome, man. <coughs> so never forget that. That's great, That's man. Good. All right, brother. All right, bro. you. Good evening. You too, okay, bro. Man. All right, catch okay. up. See you, bro. Bye.